We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Why are we not starting our own academies and supporting them? Why are we not supporting historically black colleges and universities? That's where our heroes went. That's where they came from. Dr. King went to Booker T. Washington. You gonna show me a nigga smarter than him? Mm. You understand what I'm saying? I don't have no problems with you loving your children. But my children go to public school. Because I pay taxes in public schools. And they name for black people. And either you're going to choose to be excellent and you're going to do better or you're going to sit your chump ass down and you're going to keep me in the same shit over and over. But you can't complain and say that greatness wasn't given to you. If you walk in a school named for Frederick Douglass High School and you do not have the initiative, you do not have the initiative as a parent or the student to walk up and step up to that greatness. But you would do it at St. Pius. You would do it at St. Michael. Man, you a chump. Before you guys listen to another episode of the Corner Podcast, make sure you guys show your support for the show by clicking on patreon.com slash the corner podcast and showing support for both Andreas and myself. We're trying to bring you guys exclusive content for the new year. That means exclusive shows, guest interviews, fan appreciation episodes, a little bit of everything on a weekly basis. And the way you get that is by signing up on patreon.com slash the corner podcast. There's different tiers, whether you guys want to donate $5, $10, or $15 a month, you guys get exclusive content and access to us, yes, both Andres and I, every single week. And this way, we can bring you guys the stuff that you want, such as merch, live shows, and even bigger episodes of The Corner Podcast in 2019. Thank you guys for your support. Now let's get into this week's show. We're here. What up, everybody? Another week, 
another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dans, we here with the old man Andreas Hale, back in the building, fresh off of a nice trip to Phoenix, Arizona for Royal Rumble weekend. We're out there for TakeOver, the Rumble, uh, some Rumble after parties that we'll talk about today as well. Shout out to the people we saw down there, people running up telling us that they listen to the show, that they support us. Once again, big ups to you guys. Thanks so much for following the show. It's a good week, man. We got some stuff to talk about. We, Of course, we got to touch on the Super Bowl and everything that goes into that week and this weekend and what we're doing. Uh, we got to touch on something we heard today on the radio that just kind of dominated our group chat this morning, and then we'll get straight into the combat sports stuff. But Dre, it's nice to be back in Vegas. Decent weather. We're not freezing like the rest of the country. Can't be mad. No, man, and I actually like Phoenix. I had a good time, and the weather was good there, too. So I heard the weather's about to be trash for the next few days in Vegas, so I'm not looking forward to that. Uh, we get one day of rain. We'll be all right. It ain't, it ain't Chicago minus three degrees. Yo, to any of our listeners in Chicago, you need to move. Get out of Chicago. Because <laughs> it's dark. The murder rate's high, and the weather's killing people, too. So, y'all, man, look. I'm a White Sox fan, but I ain't moving to Chicago. No, hell no. Hell no, no way. I saw Lake Michigan freeze. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, how does water freeze? A body of water. I can't. I can't do it, man. I'm not built for the cold. I only own one jacket mm-hmm. and, like, two hoodies. I- I'm not, you know, the super swag-tastic, like, A.J. Springer, friend of the of the podcast, um, reverse Rat Pack member. He is just all swagged out in Washington, D.C. in this one-degree weather. He got the yeah. snowflakes and the beard. He got a scarf on. Yeah, taking selfies. <laughs> Love you right there, but ain't man. Hell no. Nah, it's too damn cold for that. When you got snowflakes in your beard, it means you need to go inside. But I know you don't have a choice. At the end of the day, you got you to commute. You got to get to work. But you a bolder man than me taking selfies, man. Yeah, I don't know. The icicles in the beard. I don't know. That might be the, the new trend in 2019. But he just looks frigid out there. So I, I couldn't do it. We're going to enjoy our weekend right here. Uh, and this weekend, of course, the biggest event in sports, at least, you know, stateside, the Super Bowls this weekend. I, I feel like football's kind of gone under the radar, um, especially since the end of regular season. Like, fantasy football ended, and I've just been like, oh, okay, whatever. My Giants aren't in it. We'll probably have the rookie of the year, but outside of that, not too much to cheer for for me. Tom Brady's back in it again. I feel like it's like the Golden State Warriors at this point. Like, I'm not surprised. I understand it. This is what I expect. AFC is trash. And then we get the Rams trying to upset them. What I want us to talk about, though, is the real star this Sunday. And that's the snacks. Dre, are you watching the game? One, I'm assuming you are. Two, of course. who's cooking the food, Dre? Uh, we don't Look, I got a house full of people who don't care about football. It's just me. So, like... <laughs> My family watches the Super Bowl for commercials. I got, I have that family. Oh, so you're, like, yeah, yes, it's about Those to be rough. No, they don't, they don't care. They'll talk all through the game. They'll say stupid stuff. Like they'll, they'll t- talk about the halftime show. So even like, I'll order some food. Usually that's what happens. My wife ain't cooking for no Super Bowl. She don't care. My daughter <laughs> damn sure don't care. So I'll probably order some pizza. Maybe it'd be a cheat day for me. So I'll probably order some pizza and and drink. From my bar, my heavily stacked bar, and uh, enjoy the day. I'm supposed to be working too. I'm supposed to be helping the team out. 
over at Sport News with Super Bowl coverage. So we'll see how this all plays out because I got to enjoy the game as well. Yeah, it's a Giordano's day for you. Possibly, man. I haven't had some deep dish in a minute. And I don't have to go all the way to Chicago to get it. And I don't have to die going there. So I can go. It's like around the corner from my house. Fantastic. Yeah, they can't beat that. I, unfortunately, for the first time in forever, have to work on the Super Bowl. So I am in charge of all digital aspects of the Super Bowl because CBS is hosting it this year. So I'm going to be there. Hopefully they bring in dope food. I, I'm i up in the air because you can't trust everyone's food, Dre. You can't. No. Today they put out an email. It's like, bring your favorite Super Bowl or football snacks. And I'm just like, uh... Those are, that's when you get, you know, raisins and potato salad type people. Yeah. See, like Super Bowl parties, like I, I host. I don't necessarily attend because I need to control the food that's at my place. Unless it's some people I, I like know and I'm close to. I can't do it, man. You can't. You really can't eat everybody's food. No, especially Super Bowl food is a lot of finger foods. So, like, I listen, I love Elena's family to death. I think I went over there once for the Super Bowl. And her cousin who can't particularly cook, um, her her thing at all the family events are like cocktail weenies and not even like super prime cut cocktail weenies. Like it's, I don't know, it has to be like generic Oscar Mayer cocktail weenies wrapped in bacon and, and in some type of odd sweet sauce. And then she just bakes those. That doesn't sound healthy at all. It's it's not it's not good, and it all melts together, and the sauce is like a a thick Aunt Jemima type syrup, and the top of the bacon crisp, but it clearly didn't turn it over, so the bottom's still flimsy bacon. Mm-mm. It's all bad, all bad, Dre. So like I can't can't trust everyone's food. Now I, mean, I used to go to Filipino households for a Super Bowl though, and lumpia on deck during the Super Bowl. Can't really beat that. That's true. I mean, look, man. I, it's it's just you know I got a black household, man. We don't we don't really fail at cooking, so <laughs> I, I don't have to worry about cocktail weenies in my house. So everybody got that one auntie that can't cook, though. Yeah, but then you d- just don't let them cook. Does like, your mom cook? My mom? Yeah, my mom cooks. My mom could throw down. Okay, I never seen it. I never like. I think I saw your mom bring like a plate once. Y'all always have so much food. It's not like there's an opportunity. For people to really bring that much food so I can, like, you know, get a good grasp. I, yeah. I remember you said your grandma couldn't cook to save her life. My, yes, my grandmother, full-blooded, white, Italian <laughs> woman, could not cook. Horrible. <laughs> just, look, man, it's just, I love her. She's gone. R.I.P. But she tried to kill me with her food for my whole life. <laughs> it's terrible. Like, she's just, she certain people can't cook. And look, white people just don't use seasoning properly. And they cook out of cans a lot. And it's crazy. They do. Like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not one for the, the can. Black people have their things too, though. I'm going to have to call out black folk for a second. If you invite me to your Super Bowl party and you insist on me tasting your Rotel dip, like, it is a delicacy. You need to get that shit out of here. Black people are so proud of their Rotel dip. Like, no, you do the same thing. You pour the can of tomatoes, you put some Velveeta cheese, and you have ground beef, and you throw it all together. It's not like you reinvented the wheel. That bothers me everywhere. Black people love Rotel dip. I mean, shit, I like Rotel dip. <laughs> but. I mean, it's, it's delicious. 
But I feel like people think like, yo, my Rotel. Like, no, it all tastes the same, fam. There's nothing, there's nothing you're doing to make this stand out. You're, you're not yeah. making it with venison. Like, what, the day I see, like, some real Vermont sharp cheddar and venison and Rotel dip, then, you know what, my brother, you got it. I've yet to see that in my life. And you probably won't, so don't even stress it. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, uh, I can't, can't mess with everyone's food. Work food is a little weird. And sometimes they order from whack places. So I'm not expecting to have the greatest of meals during the Super Bowl. But one thing that's going to perk me up, Halftime Heat is back. Thank NXT, God. NXT, we now understand, and we'll talk about this later, that there was a tease after the NXT show in Phoenix. And people were like, oh my God, is Velveteen Dream leaving? Is Ricochet getting called up? Aleister Black. We now know what that rift was to promote and why they had this beef, the faces versus the heels. It's because we're having a three versus three match instead of the halftime show for the Super Bowl. Thank God. Can like, you change Bowl. the channel is the question. Or you got to watch this on a laptop. Oh, no, I can watch it on my laptop. I mean, dog, I got... The family like, might right, revolt if you change the halftime show. Nah, because like, they don't even pay that much attention. So like, if it's halftime, like, my wife will probably be upstairs. Like, at a certain point, they just all tune out. Like My, <laughs> my nephew, he's... He's, he'll be 13 next week, and he could care less about football. So he'll probably be playing Fortnite. Um, so I, I ain't really got to worry about anybody else. It's just me. And which we really got to get your, your nephew into, like, wrestling or maybe football. I mean, the kid is, is huge. Yeah, he's like – uh, he, he looks like an athlete. Like, you see the, – the size, obviously, you're a very private person. You might have, like, three pictures of your nephew, and they're probably super old pictures. But I swear to God, he got, like, giant man hands. Yeah, he's, I mean, listen, he's grown, like, four inches over the summer. So now he is 5'9 or 5'10. Yeah, 13, and, and it got paws the size of mine. Yeah, and he's 100, he should be probably about 190 pounds now. So it's like, he, he should be, but it's a generation, man. He, he, don't, he has no interest in any of that. If it ain't Fortnite, he ain't messing with it. I was about to say, just gaming. That's a lot of kids nowadays, though. Just just gaming. You just catch a 6'8", 220-pound kid just busting ass online in Fortnite. Yeah. Boy, totally. back in my day, you would have been a powerful. I mean, that would have been your job. Like, you have nothing else to do but play sports. Like, that's what it was. But different different time, man, different time. So I don't, I don't have to worry about, like, changing the channel. Can't, and nobody cares. Nobody in my house cares. Like, they'll want to watch, like, movies because, like, through my methods, I have, like, all the Oscar-nominated movies on my hard drive right now. And so that's what they're going to want to do, but they're not. They're going to be watching either Super Bowl or they're going to get out. <laughs> yeah, uh, at work, I have someone already on notice. Like, listen, I'm, you, I'm doing all the digital sports stuff. I'm doing all the tweets, kind of running commentary on Facebook, Facebook Lives, all this stuff. As soon as the halftime show goes, uh, this other chick who has a podcast that I uh, am on occasionally, her name is Nikki. She works with me. She's in digital. I was like, yo, the entire halftime show is all you, fam, because I'm not paying attention to it. Now, if y'all want me to tweet about wrestling during it, that I can do. But I am not watching Maroon 5. Why would I want to watch Maroon 5? I mean, big boys performing. They gonna give Big Boy thirty seconds. No, I don't care what they give him. I, I don't care. It's a Super Bowl. 
Yeah, like, what is he going to, like, and they're going to make him perform something crazy, like, not even Bombs Over Baghdad. Like, they're going to give him, like, his verse on Miss Jackson. Not even, no solo stuff. Yeah, right. No, I, Sir I, Lucius, left foot, none of that. Like, I really, when I say I don't care, I really don't <laughs> care. Like, I, I don't care. Do you Super care Bowl, about I, the boycotts? I, I think we talked about this. Yeah, like I, I said before, man, like, look, I still watch football. And I don't watch it as much, but that's just because I don't. And I work at Sport News. I don't really have a choice. Like, this is my job. Yeah. I watch sports. So it's like, but if I, if I wasn't working at Sport News, I still watch the Super Bowl. Like, I mean, like, the halftime boycotts more so than anything. Like, we ended up with Maroon 5 because everybody else decided to boycott. I'd much rather have Cardi B doing this halftime show. Like, look, man, I get it. If, like, I, to, to, to take a stand and not perform at the Super Bowl and be like, nah, I'm good. I get it. I get it. Like, they need you. You don't really need them. It's a nice check, but some of these guys, like, Rihanna's already rich. Like, yeah. Jay-Z, already rich. Like, halftime Super Bowl, would I need exposure? Mm, not really. So, I get it. Like, some other acts, yeah, of course you can use it. So, good for the people who didn't perform. Like, send that message. I don't know if that message is still being heard, uh, but send the message. You got to send that message. Let them know. Yeah, we shall see. It doesn't seem to have swayed them at all. They just went to the whole... We're sticking by our guns. Sooner or later, people are going to just forget about it and come back to us. To, I mean, that's one of a hell of a way to play it. Um, talking about halftime performances, though, you don't give a damn this year. I'm sure there have been years you did give a damn. What's your favorite halftime performance? Because hmm. I know mine, and it's not even close. Mine is Prince in Miami, outdoors, and it started raining during Purple Rain. Yeah, you're right. That is the best one. Like, for me, all right, halftime performances, like Prince and Beyonce were, like, the two best halftime performances that I can remember. Aside from that, back in the day, the Super Bowl, when it was halftime, I was watching, look, I'm about to date myself. So, so <laughs> old, old heads are going to be like, hell yeah. I used to watch the Bud Bowl because the Bud Bowl was the shit. And Living Color had a halftime thing. I watched the Empty Arena match with, with uh, Mankind and The Rock. That was I great. <laughs> I didn't watch like the halftime. There was always something else. Like, like the Bud Bowl came on, and I would like leave the room and come out because they had like it was it was during commercial breaks. I think it was like the Bills and the Giants was like the first Bud Bowl. Somebody's gonna correct me on that. But I would watch like the In Living Color one with Men on Film. Oh man, like I watched that. I like I recorded it. I don't <laughs> halftime shows. I don't really care about. But yeah, when when it rained with Prince, that was amazing. And. But other than that, like some people like like the Lady Gaga, she was doing some flips or some shit. Um, I'm pretty sure Michael Jackson performed one year. Did he? Like I'm telling you, that's why I say I don't care. Like I, I honestly, I don't remember anything about these damn Super Bowl halftime shows. They're all the same to me. Did you click over and miss the whole Janet Jackson titty gate? Mm-hmm. That year, or were you watching it? The Janet Jackson, you know, just and she was killing it, and then Justin Timberlake yeah. just popped, popped the whole titty out. I don't remember if I watched that live. See, I that's the don't. first time in my life I saw a nipple ring. I was so confused. Wow. I had no clue what was going on, but I was intrigued. Well, of course you would be. Yeah, <laughs> but, you know, I, I mean, damn, I might have been like 12. 11, 12? Let me date myself. I think I might have been like 11 when that Janet Jackson titty gate came through. 11, 12, somewhere around there. So, yeah, man, it's crazy. You see your first pierced titty on a national TV, it's a good day. And it's Janet's titty. That's 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 the key. I didn't know how I didn't know how appreciative I was of that at the time. 
But now looking back, it's not like it was just a normal one. It's no. Like it's Janet. People have been waiting to see that titty for, for decades. And you catch yeah. it at the Super Bowl. They try. I don't even know what game that was. That's how crazy it is. I don't even remember what game that happened. I just know her titty was out. And it was the star of the show. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Man. Yeah. Deadass, I don't know. Um, What's your prediction for this Super Bowl? Patriots. I mean, look. Bill Belichick's a genius. <laughs> everybody, everybody keeps talking about Tom Brady. I get it. Tom Brady's been fantastic. Arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. You know, there's always going to be Joe Montana. So, I get it. But if it wasn't for Belichick, we wouldn't be talking about Tom Brady right now. Bill Belichick has gotten – because Tom Brady can't shut down wide receivers. I keep talking about this. Like, people like, is Tom Brady better than Jordan? When Tom Brady can shut down the team's best wide receiver, then you can tell me Tom Brady's the GOAT. Can't. He plays one position. There's 22 men on the field. He's one. Jordan was one of five. Different story. But this is a game like you got the young coach against the new, the, the, the older, old head. I mean, it's, you would want to see the changing of the guard with Jared Goff and Ty Gurley and those guys going off. And, and football, it's one game. Things can it, it'd be crazy. But Belichick is just a genius. And more importantly, this is an interesting stat. It was something we were doing today over at Sporting News. Do you realize that every, just about every single Super Bowl the Patriots have played in has come down to the last possession? And yeah. they still find a win? I think, it, I think it's been every single one. Like, that is ridiculous. But what they did to the Chiefs... I mean, dude, they rolled into the playoffs and people were like, oh, this is the weakest Patriots team ever. We do this every year, guys. Except for the team that had Randy Moss that was high-powered and just blowing teams out. We do this every year, guys. Gronk is he's, – he's old Gronk. Julian Edelman, you know, he missed half the year. They don't really have a running game. Of course they don't. They haven't really have a running game since, like, Corey Dillon. Like, it's, it's Belichick. He's too good for this. And so, yeah, I'm picking the Patriots. I hope the Rams win. But – it's Maca Brady and the Patriots probably going to pull this one out. Yeah, I'm going to say the same thing. I'm going with the Patriots. Uh, I don't know. We saw same time we saw the Falcons just unload on them, go up 21, you know, one year. And Brady came back then, too. So the defense, it, it's not star-studded. Uh, I don't think on the back end, they're better than people give them credit for. The Rams technically should have what it takes to stop Brady. Um, you look at the Seahawks, the Giants, teams that either beat them or had the opportunity to beat them. Um, you look at a team like the Eagles, and they had good running games, and you get pressure with your front four. The Rams, you're hard-pressed to find two better defensive tackles that have ever faced the Patriots. So internal pressure is, is on lock there. You, the three men in the middle for the Patriots have to constantly block the two so the defensive ends are running free if for some reason to leave and he's done it before he's locked up and I, I think the Broncos did this to Patriots twice they put to in the slot against Gronk and he locked his ass up then you're just telling me Peters has to maintain on the outside and Joyner has to play you know come down on the slot and Edelman so I mean on paper, they're matched up, and they're built perfectly to stop the Patriots. I just don't think they can. It makes no sense, but they have the exact chess pieces needed to counteract Brady and that offense. And the off, their offense is going to give them enough to win the game, but they won't. Brady's still going to find a way. Someone's going to blow a coverage. Someone's going to jump something on a double move. 
the, the running backs somehow will run for 210 yards, all three of them. Sony Michelle will have three touchdowns out of nowhere. Like, it, there's always something. Yeah, and, I mean, ultimately, you look at the, the, the personnel of teams like the Chiefs and everybody that the, the Patriots play. Like, athletically speaking, these are superior teams. Yeah. And they just can't get the job done. It's, dog, it's Belichick. It's Belichick, it's Belichick, it's Belichick. The guy's a goddamn mastermind. So, yeah, enjoy the game. I'll be enjoying – I will be looking forward to the six-man tag more than the game itself. Hopefully the game doesn't get out of hand. I wanted to see the Rams and the Chiefs because I wanted a damn shootout in the Super Bowl. I would oh, love to see what the over would have been in that game. It's but, still going to be a shootout. Yeah, it won't be a shootout like the Rams and, and the Chiefs would have been. The over on that might have been like 70. I'm not surprised if it's – I think Patriots won by four. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's 30, 38, 34. Like it's, it's that much. Like somehow all the pieces on the Rams defense are really nice and shiny. They just never seem to put it together. They just allow a ton of points. I don't get it. We'll see if if Jared Goff can stay. Uh, if the light, the bright lights get to Jared Goff as well. That's that's the real question. I don't think they will, because Sean McVay, and that's the next thing. Like it goes under the radar, and sometimes they talk about it, but they don't talk about it enough. The rule changes in the NFL to allow an offensive coordinator to speak into the quarterback's helmet until 15 or 12 seconds left on the play clock change the entire game. And no one uses it like Sean McVay uses it. So Jared Goff, he doesn't have to make his own checks. He doesn't have to make his own reads. They run no huddle. They get to the ball with 35 seconds left. And Sean McVay is just looking for 23 seconds and calling the audibles and calling out the exact reads and everything for Jared Goff. So Goff, Goff doesn't have to think. There's no way he's overwhelmed. It's pretty much McVay playing Madden at this point because of the new rules. And no one takes advantage of it better than he does. That's true. Just see, make sure Jared Goff doesn't make any... Uh... Stupid throws. That's it. Yeah, that's the question. Just, Jared know. Goff has to be good enough within 10 seconds. He doesn't have to do the full 40 seconds like we see Tom Brady and Peyton and why Romo's so good on commentary and he's making all these checks and everything. Romo says it exactly when McVay says it. Golf isn't saying any of this shit. And he doesn't have to think that way. It's the evolution of the game. And that's why we see people like Patrick Mahomes and they'll be like, oh, Patrick Mahomes is a system quarterback in college and he just has tools, but he never had to make two or three reads or four reads. You don't have to anymore. Andy Reid just needs a robot because Andy Reid can't go on the field and do this shit. But guess what? He has the most talented robot and he can make every read before the snap and just go no huddle and do, put him in exact perfect place to do it. And he knows his robot is more talented than the other. So the, the game has changed. You really just need people physically capable enough to go out there. Don't get hurt. And I can call the whole game through you. So it's, it's going to be McVay versus Belichick. That's the beauty of it. Goff doesn't even matter. Is Ken McVay be smarter than Belichick? I don't think he's going to be. Not yet. True. Not yet. Not yet. So that's that's going to be interesting. Um, we got to talk about like a full Royal Rumble weekend. Real quick to touch on it. We dropped this in the group chat earlier. Killer Mike versus DJ Envy in the Breakfast Club. I watched that shit this morning. That was crazy. Yeah, and it's funny because, oh, man, this was a hard cut. Like, all right, I'll put it like this. 
me at 21, 22, would have been all with Killer Mike. As I've gotten older, there's a part of me that, under, that agrees with DJ Envy. And for those who don't know, there was an argument about sending your kids to private school versus public school. Killer Mike is talking about, you know, keep your kids in public school, use your, your public tax money, um, go to these schools that are named after, you know, Booker T. Washington and, you know, in, in Martin Luther King and, you know, empower these teachers because that's what they're getting paid to do. Envy was like, no, fuck that. I'm sending my kids to private school to get a better education. There's two sides of this argument. I think they both make valid points. And Killer Mike makes a valid point. Like, you know, public schools do have programs and a lot of things that are instilled in kids. And I agree with this 100 percent. As you me being in a position to put my daughter into private school when she gets old enough, I can. But everything that my daughter's well, a majority of what my daughter's going to aspire to be is because of who I am already. Correct. No, no school is necessarily going to teach her that. My issue with public school versus private school, and this is something that me and Lupe Fiasco talked about a long time ago, and it stuck with me for a long time. Lupe was always like, I need to take care of your kids because I need to make sure your kid doesn't shoot my kid. <laughs> and, 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 and when he said it, it was like, this is like 2005 when I brought him out to Vegas for a show. When he said this, it resonated with me because it's, really, it's not really about your kid. It's about the kids that are around your kid and how they make your kid feel or the fights. Like, dude, I got so many fights in like early middle school. Like, the, like I'm not saying private school is perfect, but you get a little rid of some of that riffraff. And, especially, and it also depends on where you send your kids to school. Like it's a difference between New York public schools and private schools versus like Vegas public schools and private schools. So I see both sides of this argument. I, I totally understand where Killer Mike is coming from. I get it. I know what he wants, but I, I, dude, I also have to protect my, my daughter. Like, I can't send her to some shit. Like, my kid's not going to Valley or Rancho High School like we did growing up. It's not happening. Yeah, see, but my perspective, and why I think we had this conversation, like a longer conversation on the show, but my perspective is a little different because, yeah, I went to Rancho High School and it was shitty, but I went there for a program that wasn't shitty. Like, right. Valley High School now, it's like, fuck, Valley is still Valley, but they're international baccalaureate program is amazing so it's like damn like the the trade-off and i understand why they put those in those schools now you know yeah because it, it, it's crazy but it's like do you still like the ib program there is probably equal to if not better than the education we'll get at gorman i think valley high school the past someone put these numbers out uh on social media it might have been at the news station um valley high school the past five years has more Ivy League students or students sent off to Ivy Leagues than any other school in the state. Would you believe that shit? No. You're but- a Valley. Like, to say Valley, you were walking up and down. Like, it's crazy. But they put these great programs in there. And it's still public school. It's still, you have to test into it. It's still selective. You have your own specific teachers, your own specific curriculum to a point and you have honors classes, so it kind of weeds out the the more riffraff on the bottom. It's not like your kids are taking normal classes if they're in these programs. And, yeah, the only thing you do is is maybe play sports with these same kids, go to school dances. Like, you still get the opportunity for bad influences, but it's not necessarily educational influences. If that well, makes sense. educational like Like, that's, that's my thing. It's like, remembering when I went to school and the reason why... I stopped caring. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a household thing, but it's also a school thing. So it's like, 
you know, if you're going to school with a purpose, your kids in the in an international baccalaureate program, or if they're in a, in a certain vocational program at a school, yep. it makes sense. But if you if you have the option and you look at it, depending on where your kid grows up, you have to really take into consideration where you send this, your your child to school. It's like it's like daycare, right? Like. <laughs> There's certain daycares, like, I be, I'm seeing videos now, and they didn't, the shit didn't affect me before, but now I have a daughter, shit changes me. Where these, 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 these uh, people in daycare are abusing the kids, right? You get what you pay for at the end of the day in some ways. Yeah. Like, you do get what you pay for. So I, I do want my daughter in the best programs, but I do understand both sides. of it. If there is a program in a pro- public school that my daughter can benefit from, then I would take that into consideration. But I'm not sending my daughter just to any old school just because it's called Booker T. Washington. Exactly. And I I think that was his case. Like, I think why he took it personally is because to him, it's like, you don't want them. You're ashamed for them to socially kind of hang out with the people associated with public school. If that makes sense. Like socially, you're embarrassed or you think you're better than sending your kid here. Or they may learn bad habits from public school kids. Like, they can learn bad habits from private school kids. Like, socially. And, I mean, it, yeah. and it stems outside of education. And I think that's where, like, a lot of people feel that way. It's like, no, you want to be uppity. You want to send them with a bunch of rich, rich white kids. And you want to keep them out the hood. The hood people are going to turn them bad. Or the hood people are going to make sure they don't have the grades. Or... Teachers in the hood don't know how to prosper. Like, no, they can put great teachers in the hood. I, my hardest teachers, my best teachers in life were through Rancho High School. They just happened to not really teach. It's, it's a horrible fact, but they probably had 8% of their classes with general population zone kids. The rest were magnet kids like me who had the AP classes, the advanced classes, and then the magnet classes. So some of these teachers never, some of the best teachers in that school never touched the general population. Yes. Yeah, so like, you know, you go to a private school, your kid might come back with an opioid problem. You go to a public <laughs> school, your kid might be just smoking weed. Like, there's, there's just, the balance is ridiculous to try to figure out which way to go. And truly, the crazy thing, like, I always talk about, you know, you blame the parents. The environment raises the kid in, in a lot of cases. Like, I wasn't raised by my parents, but I also had a unique situation. But most people that I know, like most most of my friends or people that I grew up with that went the wrong way, they had good parents, but they fell in with the wrong people. And there's only so much a parent can do to protect and shelter their kid. So you want to get you you do kind of want to insulate your kid from the bullshit. Yeah. But that also comes with being really hands on with your child and their education, like. From the beginning to the end, like, I want to know what my teachers are doing. I want to know the homework. Like, because parents get too busy, and it becomes an economical thing. There's so much involved. So Killer Mike, his, his, his mentality, I get it. It's just a much more difficult decision than just saying I'm sending my kid here for some self-esteem shit. It's, it's much deeper than that. Word. You know my daughter only has two classes out of seven where she gets homework? Well, damn. Tell me that's not the wildest shit. Like, school stopped giving homework. Like, there, there's some, like, I guess there was some stupid study that was like, yo, homework doesn't do anything, and it distracts students, so it's just, like, classwork, grades, and, yeah, it's bananas. I was like, no, you better read or some shit. Right. Like, you, you gonna do something every day after school. You ain't gonna be here gossiping with your little friends or not. Like, no, you better do something. And thankfully, she's in dance classes and everything that takes up her time. 
But I was like, you just, what? No homework. And they had those little portals you check their grades. I was like, yo, you got like four class assignments and four tests. We're like in week eight of school. Yeah. I was like, you guys got it easy. Jeez. Wish I went to school now. So, nah, yeah, I understand. It's just a crazy conversation. If you guys haven't seen it or listened to it, check out the Breakfast Club episode. Uh, this is Friday the 1st, February 1st. Check it out. It was uh, kind of crazy, but it's good. It's a good narrative. Killer Mike is really on the shit. He got the Netflix show. He's really, and not everything is to be agreed with. He's just broadening the the range of what you can talk about and what people are talking about. You agree with some, you don't agree with others. So, um I think he's doing really well, so that's one thing I want to touch on. Um, Real quick, we're going to split this wrestling segment into two segments. Before the break, which is now, we're going to talk about our weekend at the Rumble. When we come back, we're going to do like our real uh, recap of what happened. So first off, the Arizona atmosphere, to me, was one of the best atmospheres for wrestling we've had so far. And we weren't there the whole week, so I wasn't drained out. Like maybe... You know, mania weeks kind of drain me out because they're so damn long. But I thought this was a good vibe. It was always sunny. Everyone was walking. What was it? We walked six blocks from your spot to the arena. And everyone was within six blocks. And and it was two avenues. Like, everyone was right there. Yeah, see, like, this makes me dread going to New York. Like, everything that I just experienced at, at the Royal Rumble in Phoenix, from the close proximity of the arena, from City Field and Talking Stick Resort, like, there were blocks within each other. Yep. And then, I mean, there were no indie shows, of course, but everything that you needed was downtown. Now, granted, Phoenix is kind of whack. There's not, like, too much to do down there. <laughs> but if you're there for a wrestling event, all you really care about is wrestling and some good Mexican food. That's <laughs> carnival fries. They were amazing. Um, and brunch, in yes. your case, went to brunch oh. every day. Yes, I did. The king yes, of did. brunch. The king, the king, the king. But, <laughs> but the but the the sun, it was warm. Like City Field, it was not cold. Like I brought a hoodie, and I was like, why did I bring this hoodie? Like it was not cold at all. Like it was fantastic. It makes me dread what I'm about to walk into for New York for WrestleMania because MetLife is in Jersey, uh, uh, NXT is at Barclays. The G1 show is at the Garden. Like, that alone pisses me off. Then, New York in April, in early April, still like winter. Like, yeah. I'm not looking forward to any of this. But the atmosphere overall was, was great, wrestling fans. I mean, crowd was kind of dead in some spots but for, for Royal Rumble. But what do you expect? It's like a damn 10-hour show. Yeah. You get tired. And it was yeah. okay they ramped it up at the end. I thought for the men's Rumble, it ended on a good note. Yeah, and we'll talk we'll talk more about the matches because we'll go deeper into this, but I'm really blown away that AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan had the worst match on the card. That yeah. that is mind boggling to me. We'll talk about it. I, I went back and watched it. I kinda have a different opinion than what I had that night. Um and then, you know, one, we get there, we go to this spot for brunch, and it's eclectic, to say the least. <laughs> Jay Marcus <laughs> Jay Marcus uh had me sitting there. I thought it was a hippie spot. But it was a, a very interesting bar. But Dre loves the music. They play nothing but 80s and 90s, like, pop music. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, that's, that's that vibe I could deal with. It was the other thing that I was like, wait, what? And I didn't know until my father and they, Dre and Marcus met my father for the first time. And he lives in Phoenix. So he was like, yo, when you guys are here, it's like, oh, that's crazy. He's like, it's a nice bar. I was like, yeah, they got great prices. It's like $12 for a bottle of champagne. 
we're getting tipsy. But it was a it was a crazy day to go there. I guess it was like a themed event. Um, but yeah, now they met my pops. See how young he looks in person. My dad is like a unicorn. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. But um, like overall, like the the the, the weekend was good. It was my first Royal Rumble, so mine too. Wasn't bad. Uh, no. The seats, the seats were nice. I can't complain. Well, yeah, I mean, yours. I mean, look, look, look. There's, there's a there's a mid level flex here that needs to happen because <laughs> for the most part, Kel gives me shit about where I'm sitting at fights, and he's like just a few rows behind me all the time, Dre. You're always four rows ahead. Yeah, but it's just a few rows. Like media at Royal Rumble sat in the 113 section, which is. The risers, but when you're in a stadium, it's, it's not bad, but, it, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Whereas Mr. Dansby was sitting three rows from the ring. <laughs> On the side where people exited after the rumble was over. Right. So I have, like, video of everybody that got eliminated. Like, I was going through it the other day. I was like, wow, I have video of everybody. I got video of Jeff Jarrett, Kurt Angle. I got video of because they walked right by me. So, yeah. So, Decent seats. I mean, we had to do some finagling to, uh, for myself and Marcus to get down to those particular seats. But uh, it all worked out in the end. I mean... Uh, well, we watched three matches together? Yeah, we watched Finn and, and Brock and the Rumble. No, it's just Oh, no, two. just two. Because, yeah, you guys came down during the AJ Styles match. Well, right at the end, where Eric Rowan came out, I was like, fuck this. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, so the atmosphere is dope. Went to the after party. Got a table there. Was chilling. Talked to some of the corner club, you know, we were chilling and I, I went because I went to move my car a little closer and I came back in and then Marcus and Trey just looking at me and then they look over, looking at me, look over. When I left, the table was empty next to us. I get back, Marcus is hip to hip with Samoa Joe. <laughs> like, like as close as you can get between two people at a table, like just hip to hip. I'm like, yo, like Joe is really about to like. Give him a crazy insecurity kick if he gets any closer. Yeah, man. I mean, it was it was Kofi, uh, uh, Xavier. Xavier Woods, uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Uso. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess apparently Shinsuke Nakamura showed up after we left. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was a video game spot. You know, I didn't get to play nothing, but you know, it was. It was I mean, it was cool. Like to see, it's always interesting because I always wonder what the uh, the etiquette is for fans when they meet wrestlers who just wrestled like 30 minutes ago. Some fans, they don't care. They want pictures and do whatever. Me, I always respect people's personal space. That's just how I roll. Like, I don't care. Like, I was, we're at the table next to them. I'm like, eh. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't need pictures or anything like that. It took a lot for you to not just give them a pound, though. I was like, I was like, this is Dre's favorite wrestler, arguably of all time. And there's one degree of separation. Yeah, I'll meet him again. I'm sure of it. That, yeah. That's my other I'm sure thing. Sure, you interview him, like, but yeah, like, oh, what's up? Give him a pound. Keep moving. I mean, I like I, I literally walking out. I ran into Xavier Woods, like bumped into him, and I was just <laughs> like, hey, and he was like, hey, what's up, man? I was like, hey, what's up? And I just kept pushing because I'm like, all right, I gotta go. But it was it was cool to see that. Um, I also went while you know while you were doing your thing with family. Like I went to the something the Western with podcast. Um, uh, with uh, Conrad and I uh, interviewed Conrad, met Bruce Pitchard, um, talked to him. Like the interview's coming out next week, but uh, it, all in all, like it's a it's a wrestling fans weekend. But I, I enjoy the fact that everything was close. Just really not looking forward to WrestleMania. Like I'm looking forward to Starcast. Um, we're having the all in ticket sale uh, party here next week. 
yep. for that for double or nothing. My bad. That's here in Vegas next week, and I get to go to that because I'm not going to the fight. Um, I'm looking forward to that because that's all in close proximity. Whereas WrestleMania is not. It's still gonna be fun, but Jesus, man. Yeah, it's gonna be crazy. And for me, you know, coming from the Bronx every day, it's gonna be mad driving, and then a train, and then it's just, yeah, man. It's it's gonna be a trek. So I'll be exhausted after that, and the wedding the week, like the week before. So that's gonna be just a crazy ten days for me. Um, but not yeah, that was our trip to to Royal Rumble. We were chilling. It was very exciting. You guys stay right where you are. To, gonna take a quick break. When we come back. We're going to break down some of the matches, get into some boxing news and MMA before we get out of here. So stay right there. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events, we're always writing articles, but when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen. You can get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner promo code T H E C O R N E R. Terms and conditions apply. All right, back just that quick. Kel, old man Andres, here again. Um, let's break down the weekend and the actual matches. So we had NXT take over Phoenix. Um, it's, I'd say it's not as good as some of the takeovers last year. Agreed. But it wasn't bad. The takeovers no. last year just, it, it set a precedent where it was just, at a point, every time we're like, is this the best takeover? Is this the best takeover? Like, it can't be that all the time. But I thought it was booked really well. No, it was good. And obviously Ricochet and Johnny Gargano stole the show. Fantastic match. Five star, um, five star, five star. I wouldn't give a five. Star. Oh, Dre, you're the toughest critic. But you I know. give a WrestleMania 20 main event a five. I'm dog. Listen, I'm gonna go back and watch it. <laughs> We're gonna go off the beaten path real quick. Today, I watched WrestleMania 20 for the first time in a long time. The the man that we're not allowed to say, but we can. WWE can't. Chris Benoit versus Triple H versus Shawn Michaels. I watched it, and that was a five star match. I it was probably one of the greatest WrestleMania WrestleMania endings i've ever seen and i've seen obviously seen every wrestlemania but to see benoit and eddie guerrero standing in the ring together after all they came through the fact that they were two wcw guys that most people thought would only be ic champions because they were so tiny um they were wcw products to see both of them holding the gold at the end with the confetti coming down the hug the tears from eddie legit like one of the greatest endings to a wrestlemania ever if benoit didn't benoit i would love to see a wwe 24 behind the scenes on how that all came together because i mean dog that match triple h who was throwing the shovel at everybody at that time Shawn michaels who was just on his his recent return and running through everybody and then you had benoit who won, won the royal rumble most people didn't think he could win that match i forgot he won the royal rumble yes he eliminated the big show eddie guerrero who beat brock lesnar with a little help from bill goldberg <laughs> 
to become the champ, which everybody was floored by that because nobody thought Eddie Guerrero could beat Brock Lesnar. Little do we know Brock Lesnar was on his way out. But a lot of us who read the dirt sheets thought Eddie Guerrero was just going to drop the title to Kurt Angle at WrestleMania. No way did you think Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit were going to leave WrestleMania as champions at the Garden in the 20th anniversary of WrestleMania. Yet they did. Those are the moments that make WWE special. They took a risk. They made fans. I mean, the pop when Benoit gets Triple H to tap, the pop is insane. And it's like it's the equivalent of today of seeing Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn hold the Universal and the WWE Championship and have an embrace at the end. You know this shit ain't going to happen. Not that. <laughs> I mean, like, we just got Gargano and Ciampa, though. But doing that exact same thing. Yeah, exactly. It's NXT. That, that's NXT. And but those it's are the like, same story, right? Which is nah, cool to see played out. Benoit and Guerrero were not enemies. They were just on two different shows. Like, they were on the same show, but Benoit took his talent over to Raw after winning the Royal Rumble as a SmackDown guy. So it was like, it was a different set of circumstances. But it was, the thing was, is like, you just didn't believe it was going to happen. It's almost similar to how when Daniel Bryan won, you, you kind of, you said doubt. And the only other, the, the, the three WrestleMania, my top three personal WrestleMania endings are WrestleMania 20, uh, Daniel Bryan, the Yes Movement, and Seth Rollins cashing in. And I was there for that. And that pop was stupid because nobody really thought about Seth Rollins cashing in at WrestleMania. You got a surprise ending with a guy that you wanted to win because you really didn't care about Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns at that point. There was rumors about Brock Lesnar leaving the company at that time. People were over Roman Reigns. And then the heel cashes in to win at WrestleMania. Things that you don't expect to happen but find a way to happen in some special kind of way. Like, even the finishes at WrestleMania 20 were creative. Fantastic. Now, back to TakeOver. Gargano and Ricochet was a match that told a great story. And I've been watching social media, and there's some people that are, like, tired of the Gargano and Ciampa story. I'm not. I've enjoyed this. Even though I don't know where they're going with it now, and I feel like they might be painting themselves into a corner, the fact that Gargano finally just gave in to his inner heel and just had to do the brain buster on the concrete to get the win over Ricochet, it, he turned the corner. He finally got his, his 10 pounds of gold. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the match. Plus, Ricochet did his jumping over the turnbuckle spot, which he always does in PWG, and people went bananas over it, but I was like, I've seen this a thousand times. Yeah. But it was but, great to see. But I, I loved it. Yeah. That, that, was, that was the match of the night. Everything else was, you're right, it was okay. Like, Black and Ciampa was not really good until, like, the final 10 minutes. It was like limb work forever. Yeah, I mean, it was 26 minutes long. It, it definitely picked up. I'd rather it end better than it started. And uh, I thought, I didn't think Ciampa was going to retain. I, I liked it. I like him and Johnny just standing on top of the ramp together and teasing that. So that, that'll be interesting to see where that goes. Well, I, I will say this also. And this is, this is where I, I, I'm a little curious because this halftime heat event, like, there's still got to be friction with Gargano and Ciampa. Like, this isn't over. And the fact that they're tagging makes it weird. And I, that's where I'm kind of lost on all this. Because it's like, well, they, there's still friction there. And it's just like, I, if they're going to reunite for a tag team match, I need some things explained to me first. Otherwise, I need friction in this tag team match for halftime heat. I, they can't just be all willy-nilly just tagging with each other with Adam Cole. It's kind of weird. Yeah, I feel like there's going to be friction a little bit between all of them. Like, Cole came out to challenge Ciampa before any of the, the faces came out on the post-show. So, like, Cole still wants that main belt. Like, there's friction between all of them. And that's what's well, great. 
The heels well, even hate the heels. Well, I mean, Dream came out. He was the first one to challenge anybody. Then Cole came out. Oh, then but Cole. It was, but Dream yeah. was kind of up in Gargano's face. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot to unpack. Um, NXT, you know, there's with a, such a loaded roster, there's only so many ways you can go, and they've carried this. People think this feud is dragging out, but that visual of both of them holding the title at the end, that was pretty dope. Um, other than that, like, War Machine winning the tag titles, whatever. Like I said, I like Good entrance. Machine. Made them look really good, really strong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and plus, I got to talk to Triple H after the show. I went backstage, which was interesting, because I got to see a bald Shawn Michaels, and that was crazy. That creeped me the fuck out. I'm not ready to, like, ruin my childhood even more, so no, I'm good. It was weird. Like, you know, we're going backstage, and WWPR, there's only, like, seven of us. And they're like, look, don't leave your phones in your pocket. Don't take any pictures. And you the guys, you know, great, great match. Da, da, da. So I see Chomp and Chomp and somebody. And I'm like right next to him. And I'm looking. I'm like, he's bald. Who, who could that be? Shawn Michaels. So Shawn Michaels and Chomp like going over the match. And, you know, I see like um, Drake Young, referee. He's, he's telling Chomp a great match. I see Gargano and people are hugging him for winning the title. And I see Ricochet. Like, it's just, it's an interesting thing because it's the WWE is still the one thing that still has a little bit of mystique about it yeah. like you go in, you can go into football locker rooms you see the players you go to basketball locker rooms but for WWE events with something that's so physical and you see those guys you know there's kayfabe and then there's you know guys just hanging out and figuring out what they can do or they go to a video game bar and hang out after Royal Rumble like I love the behind the curtains and I love the camaraderie because these guys are on the road so much but I back to takeover. I enjoyed it. Great show. Not the best, but uh, it's better than a lot of shit that we saw. Yeah, I really liked the Gargano match. I, the opening match set the tone. Um, Riddle Odo had some good fun spots. It could have been like probably. I mean, it's nine minutes, so they didn't give him like a super amount of time to go off. It was just like a teaser for fans of Matt Riddle, but good spots. I, like the toe biting spot, hilarious. Riddle just beating the hell out of him to win the match was great. The crowd really didn't understand it, but to me that was an amazing way to finish it. Yeah, my, my biggest qualm with that is I felt like Cassius Sono got just way too much offense for that match. It, it was weird because, you know, you've already <laughs> lost twice to the guy. And then a takeover, you get in a whole, like, he was the, the damsel in distress, uh, Matt Riddle, for yeah. much of the match, which was kind of weird. Bianca Belair and, um, and Shayna Baszler was, that was another one that was just like, yeah, it's like you can tell that they, they both have a lot of work to do. Yeah, it dragged at times. Yeah, it's not Asuka, it's not Sasha and Bailey, it's, it's not, they, like, some of the women may be moving a lot faster than the men to the main roster, which leaves a lot of women that are still relatively green, which is crazy because you got women like Candice LeRae, you know, Io Shirai, uh, Kyrie Sane, who are seasoned, but you got Bianca and Shayna in this spot for the title. So it puts a lot of pressure on them. But, I, you know, and I'll say this one last thing, because people were like, it's too early for Bianca Belair. And I say, I call bullshit. The reason why I call bullshit because Bianca Belair has been doing this for two and a half years. Yeah. You wonder how long Ronda Rousey's been doing this shit? About a like, year. Today's her birthday. It's a year. Like, I mean, she, like, she didn't have her first match until WrestleMania. Yeah, she was at Performance Center, like, this week last year. Right. It was, so like, it's her like, birthday, and that's it. Some people just get it, and you get better. And some people don't. And Ronda picked it up quick. Bianca's actually pretty good in athletics. She's got some work to do. But mm-hmm. 
I it was good. It just wasn't great. And now you figure they'll have to run it back. And I think Bianca could go a lot more if she was against Io Shirai or Candice LeRae. Like, you know, more of the, the fast-paced athlete. So she can be like the athletic powerhouse. Shayna's style just lends to, I'm doing a lot of limb work. I'm methodical. I'm breaking you down. Which they sold and they told the story. But I, I think Belair is just better as that like, that real strong, agile person, and she needs another agile person to really get that out of her. So I, we're only going to see better matchups with the other women down in NXT. Um, let's take a look at the Royal Rumble real quick. Uh, Bobby Roode, Chad Gable, defeat Scott Dawson. Um, that wasn't there. I didn't see it. I don't care. Okay. It was a tag match. Uh, it was like AOP... And Dash and Dawson versus Rude and Gable. It was weird. Um, Dash and Dawson lost. So a revival and just heightened rumors that they're going to leave. Uh, first match I saw, Nakamura defeated Rusev. Makes sense out of this for me. It was a good match, yo. Nakamura no, no, and Rusev no, no. have great chemistry. That, I'm not, that, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking You're about. You're talking about R-Truth. Yes. And Rusev turning heel. I don't know why Rusev turns heel. Because, again, we've been talking for so long about how SmackDown has no baby faces. I, dog, if you watch the WWE 24, and there's, there's a part in that 24 for that WrestleMania where Lana was like, we've been booed so much. It's so great to hear people chant for Rusev. Yep. Two days later, Rusev <laughs> turns heel. I'm like, come on, man. Like, Rusev was over it, and we'll, st- we'll go back to Royal Rumble, but I don't know if it was an accident. I don't know what happened, but there's no reason Rusev should have turned heel. No, I don't want no reason at all, unless, I mean, I don't know. Does Sami Zayn come back baby, and you need someone for him to feud with? No, but um, Rusev can still be a baby face. Yeah, I know. I feel like there's not enough baby faces. They, I talked about it. I was on a Wrestle Rap podcast this week. Uh, I believe it's dropping on Saturday, and our whole topic was... Why does the WWE have such trouble not only building baby faces, but maintaining them in that role? They seem trigger happy to pull. You know, as soon as someone gets over, it's like, let's turn them heel. I don't care. It, it, it doesn't make any sense. I don't, I don't understand it. So um, that's just, yeah. And then our truth somehow is getting the baby face push. So that's going to change in the next coming weeks. I know it. I feel it in my bones. Somehow that's changing. Maybe they just want to get them all into a program for Elimination Chamber, and then you're going to have them all fight each other. But that oh. that's going to be short-lived. I'll tell you that. Um, Bernie Murphy defeated Akira Tozawa, Hideo Tommy, and Kalisto on the pre-show. We saw that. It's cool. 205 live match. I've seen better on weekly television. But uh, yeah. Atami's gone, so Kenta is indie-bound. And we'll see. Pro Wrestling Noah, even though they're under new management or different management than when he left. But he's done spot shows for them. Um, you know, the hopefuls like myself are hoping that maybe he does go to New Japan and just try. I understand the loyalty and everything else, but maybe he just wants a different challenge again. That's what the Look, WWE was, a different challenge. I just feel like AEW's got these extraordinarily deep pockets and nothing but space to fill. Might be the right spot for him. But what does he do? Like, to me, AEW, at the end of the day, what people don't understand is going to be an American promotion. They, you you have to talk. You have to. They're going to have a TV deal. They're going to have yeah. like you. You have to still do the things WWE is looking for. Cody went and had an amazing time on the Indies, but he's WWE trained. He's WCW trained. 
his daddy was one of the best promo cutters ever. Like, this guy wants people who can talk, who can build stories, characters. Like, in the end, you just can't throw a bunch of people who... I mean, that was a Tommy's problem. Outside of injuries, he, he had no character. He had bland trunks. He, he didn't speak. He wasn't a bad... At, like, it, it just didn't work. Apollo Crews, like, you need guys who have characters. Yeah, but, but, but look, look, look. AEW, I figure, is not going to be promo-heavy... Like, it's, it's not going to be this, the same product as WWE. I think the emphasis will be on wrestling. There will be character work, of course. It'll be but, better wrestling, but no different than their YouTube show. It, it's based off of characters. Yeah, but that's them. Like, that's, like every character is not going to be a character. Like, the, that's, that's the elite. That's who they are. I don't think they, if they brought in somebody like uh, Kenta, I don't think it's, it's about him cutting promos. You know, like, Kenta versus Pac would be a fantastic match. And I think people want to see that. And also you have to remember, even WCW used to have wonderful lucha matches when they started implementing in there. None of those motherfuckers spoke English. No, no, no. Except for like Ray. Like Psychosis, like Super Crazy, like ECW. Like you got to have guys that can work. Yeah. Like, so it's, it's, and I mean, even New Japan, like they're not promo heavy. So even but they're Japanese product. Yeah, it's a whole different. I know. Whole different but even if, even if he went there, it's not like I don't think he's showing up to cut a ton of promos. No, so it's, no, that's he get away with it there, which yeah, is great. So, so ultimately, there's there's a few landing places for him and Dean Ambrose who requested his release as well. Um, which might be but, a work, it might not. Who knows? I, I don't think you're going to acknowledge it that much if it's a work. If it's a work, I I don't know what you're working because. Yeah. Nobody's going to care. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, back to the Royal Rumble. Oscar uh, defeats Becky Lynch, makes Becky tap. In a good 17-minute match. They had a nice amount of time. This was a really good match. But I, if anybody follows me on Twitter, I hated Becky tapping. Everyone hated. did. But only, only so many people can pass out. You can't always pass out. Who else has passed out? I feel what, like that's what, always when they try to protect someone, they make them pass out. Why wouldn't you protect Becky? If you know, look, if you know you're going this route with Ronda... Like, you know you're going there. And Ronda is what? A, a submission specialist, right? You got to so, give Ronda some You gotta give Ronda some tools in the tool shed. You just no. want Becky to mollywop her on the mic every week? Ronda at least has the card to play with. You know what? You talk all this shit, but I just saw you tap. And then that's it. That's all you got to say. Work no, that angle. No, no, no. Look, but the, logistically it creates a problem. I know people will forget about it, but for me, I don't. You just tapped Oscar, and later on, which we'll talk about, you won the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. I know you want to fight Ronda again, but you need to get this W back with Oscar. So I get it because that's what the fans want to see. Don't waste any time. Make your decision. You want to challenge Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania. But maybe something should have been like, man, maybe I should get my win back against Oscar and maybe drag it out a week at least. Shit. Like you just got submitted by, like you've lost to Oscar now twice in a ladder match for the title, your title. And then you got tapped clean as a sheet. So it's like, if Becky's going to be your stone cold, shouldn't she pass? Like, being a bad at, like, passing out makes you look like, hey, I just couldn't deal with it. I had to pass out. Yeah. Tapping is always weak. Like, when heels tap, what are the crowd chant? You tapped out. You tapped out. I mean, she's like, so protected. She's Conor McGregor to me. Conor taps to Nate Diaz. He comes back and whoops his ass. No harm, no foul. It's just, man, I just, I didn't. I, I didn't mind her losing. Like, people are like, you wanted her to win? No, I didn't want no. her to win. I wanted Oscar to keep the belt. Yeah. If it, like, as great as Becky is, y'all know I'm an Oscar mark. So, and 
And now I'm at the point where let's keep Charlotte out of this match. Since I didn't get my, my finish that I wanted in the Royal Rumble, let's keep Charlotte out of this shit. No, definitely. Just, Charlotte like, versus Oscar would be the perfect match. Because Oscar, the running back, Oscar lost last year for the belt as the challenger. Clean. Now she comes in as a champion trying to run it back, but still wants that loss. So it's her versus Charlotte. See if she can beat Charlotte clean. Yeah, that's what they should do. But anyway, yes, Oscar and Becky was a great match. Um, and I, I, I totally agree with this, that kicking off the show. Then we have Miz and Shane versus The Bar. Miz and Shane win. Yeah, no surprise there. We'll see how long they hold those belts, though. Definitely until Mania. Look, man, we, like, we know where this is going. And There's going to be a turn, it. yeah. Yeah, and we obviously, like, look, man, like, we know this is probably going to turn on Shane, and they're going to have a WrestleMania match, blah, blah, blah. In the interim, it kind of just hurts the rest of the SmackDown tag team divisions because they, they the belts are around those two guys, and the whole story is going to focus on them blowing up. So it'll be collateral damage whoever ends up with the SmackDown titles when those two blow up, but whatever. Then we have Ronda versus Sasha. Good match. Sorry. Yeah, it was it was kind of weird because it was good, but it felt like it didn't reach that level. And it wasn't bad. It wasn't a bad match. Um, 14 minutes fin- is good time, too. Yeah, the finish was weird because it felt like when Ronda hit that, that throw, like it didn't land the way it needed to land, so you didn't really hear the impact of the move. And yeah. then she just pinned her, and you were like, wait, what? I like that it was not a submission, though. Like Ronda no, I- is building like a different skill set. Yeah, I'm I'm totally fine with that with a different kind of finish. Yeah. I just think it maybe just however the spot was, it just didn't hit and no. the fan crowd didn't really catch it like they should have. They really should have gave her like a sit out power bomb or something. Yeah. So and then the the end with I mean, we we starting to allude to small teases here of the the horse women flashing fours and mm-hmm. all this shit. So it's like they're working towards something else as well. Um then we have the Women's Royal Rumble match, which was a little too long in the tooth. Was it About 75 two, minutes? Yeah, it was 72 minutes long. Yeah. yeah um, and But Becky coming in and you know replacing uh, Lana is no surprise. Becky came in and won, eliminating Charlotte. Go figure. We kind of knew that all the time. Yeah. I guess the other thing that I found weird is like Becky just tapped out. And then she got injured, and Charlotte still couldn't beat her. So I guess, <laughs> for me, that's, that's another reason why I don't want Charlotte in that match. And I know a lot of people like, you're nitpicking. Yeah, I kind of am. But it's like, if you, can't beat, if you couldn't beat Becky in the last woman standing match, you couldn't beat a clearly injured Becky who just got tapped out. You couldn't toss her out the ring in the Royal Rumble. Move on. Yeah. You don't need to be in that feud anymore. Maybe you guys have a, a send-off at, at Elimination Chamber, whatever it is, but... Keep Charlotte out of the damn feud. Yep. Um, Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles. Oh, I mean, 25 minutes. It, one, it was a bad placement on a card. Two, it went too long. I didn't like the ending, but watching it back, there was some good psychology. Daniel Bryan was working how heel Daniel Bryan works. Limb work, a lot of stiff shots. It, it's not high-flying, fast-paced Daniel Bryan anymore. Which is fine. It's just the placement of it sucked. But there's this, like, I'll, I'll go back to New Japan about with this. New Japan has these extraordinarily long shows, right? Mm-hmm. And and they and they tend to peak at a. They don't peak and then come back down. They it's like it keeps rising. Constant. Right. WWE has this thing where you feel like you got to have a cool down match. This wasn't a cool down match. 
But we're so conditioned with WWE, like the placement of matches, like the pacing of the match was bad for the spot that it was in. Yeah. And it, it, like, and it, it just wasn't a good match when you consider the, the thing you have to consider is Styles and, and Daniels have already wrestled three times. So they could have found it. Like, I get maybe you're trying to tell a different story, but the crowd was just so out of it. Yeah. And then the finish was just like, what? Rowan? Out of nowhere? Like, it, yeah, it made no sense. We'll see how they take this. But are they going to string Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles along all the way through Mania? Nah, they won't do it that long. They'll find another way. And it, I mean, clearly, Daniel Bryan's not going to lose this fantastic hemp title that he has. It's amazing. So he, beautiful. He'll be holding on to that for a while. Yeah, beautiful belt. Um, then we have Lesnar versus Balor. This was a great sprint. It is what it is. Yeah, Finn looked great. But as soon as he's not the demon, then it's like, okay, he's losing. But damn, they put it out there. And Lesnar did well. And for a nine-minute match, Lesnar sold his ass off for fit. Yeah, I mean, look, this is what Lesnar is built for. I don't need to see him in 30-minute matches. Small guys with a sprint and, you know, make it believable for a hot second that Finn could win. Mm-hmm. And then Lesnar gets the pin. Great I'm, finish, I'm too. Not, not the stupid catch, him out of thin air with an F5. It was get hit with the finisher and the coup de grace, but sink in the submission to get the win. And, yeah, the, and, and the stupid face. Yeah, like I always change our group meet chat with different Lesnar faces. <laughs> Lesnar makes the craziest faces. But uh, the uh, the people that are down on Lesnar, and sometimes you want to see the title come off him. But matches like this, matches like Lesnar versus AJ Styles, reminds you that Lesnar is a very valuable commodity, and he there's nobody else like him. In he just doesn't have to be champion and take the belt all the time. No, but it's you know. It also lends itself to whoever does take the title off him, which a lot of people fully expected to be Seth Rollins, it's going to make him a made man. So in some ways, like I know people want to see the title, but in some ways I don't, I don't really care. If Lesnar's having good feuds at pay-per-views, mm-hmm. good matches, I'm fine with it. Like I don't need to see him on my television every week. That's kind of what makes Lesnar special. Seeing him every week or whoever the new champion is, seeing him every week, it's a lot of television. It's like, I got to see him. I'm cool. I, I, I like this version of Lesnar that, you know, if you want a little underdog, you want to try me, come do it. I'll take your face off, suplex you a bunch of times, and make it fun. These sprints are fun. I, I'm totally fine with this. No, the, the matches are good. I think for the overall program, you're only as good as your top champion, and, and they've been missing their top champion on television every week. So the IC feuds that Seth had when he caught this fire again, if those were world championship matches, it's even bigger. You know, as a platform, they seem bigger. But um, here's and it opens up spots for other guys. Like Finn Balor is now going into IC title program. Finn is a heavyweight title caliber guy. Now, if you have Finn as your IC champion, you have Seth as your heavyweight champion. Like now, you're getting somewhere. Brian with his own championship. Now you're stacked at the top. Now here, you're moving. Here's my counter. When you say like Rollins and like an open challenge, I want to see that. Because no, I don't start, need an open challenge, but I just need that that presence every week, that match quality. Where you watch. still wrestling every week, and it just watch. makes it feel bigger. When you're the champion, it makes it feel bigger. The champion should wrestle every week. He should be there at least in its program every week. Yes. Why? Because it makes you seem bigger. Like you understand, like the normal feud between him and Drew McIntyre. How much bigger it feels when it's for a world heavyweight title. No. Oh, you're just losing your mind. It feels no, bigger. That's the reason for the it. title. I think I think a guy like I, I like old school wrestling mentality where 
like I was like, hey, I, lo- I love squash matches. I don't like exhausting all your options for opponents by wrestling on weekly television. I think the one thing that they've able, been able to do with Brock Lesnar is you're able to preserve a few with Finn Balor. Whereas Rollins has wrestled half of the roster already. So there's not <laughs> nothing too much new that you can present by him being champion. Not to say that him being champion will be a bad thing with him being on television, but there's a lot of people that are truly against Lesnar being champion. But when you watch Finn versus Brock, you were like, man, this is different because you never got it. If, you, if Brock would be on television every single week or he's wrestling every single week, you're exhausting all the opportunities to have something unique and different. That's my biggest argument with it. And that's great for Brock. I feel like you do that with or without a title. That's all I'm saying. I feel like it's going to feel big regardless of Brock. No, it's not. It's not. Brock carrying the title brings a certain level of prestige to the title where you want to see him lose the title. Yeah. But that's, that's what makes it a little bit different. Like Daniel Bryan's a workhorse guy, so it's totally fine to see him there. But I, I do think there is value in Lesnar as an attraction who is also the champion, who is also believable. Does, if you look at Brock Lesnar, you're like, who the fuck's going to beat that guy? Yeah, I like, think it's just gone a little too long. I'm okay with it in stints. He's reaching like a two-year point where I'm just like, yo, come on. In total time, he's had it for like three and a half years out of the past four and a half years. Total look, time. When Roman he Reigns had it for a second. When he beat Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, I was fine with it because I knew I didn't want to see Roman Reigns with the title every week. And then having to cut promos. It's a three-hour goddamn show. You are in the minority, sir. I, maybe, maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. And I'll leave that to our listeners. I, I know that you guys are tired of this, but I'd like to hear what your, your thoughts are on this. Yeah. You want to see somebody wrestle with the title every week? I don't. I, even if it was Seth Rollins, I'd like to. Like, right now, here's the complexity with Becky Lynch right now. I hope they're working this injury angle so she can disappear for a little while. Because you got three months to work for the, the uh, WrestleMania, and I can't have her cutting promos on Ronda Rousey every week. You got some, 59 days. You ha- some people have to disappear. And it, makes the, it makes the program that much more significant when you don't see them in each other's face every goddamn week. We know we're getting Becky versus Ronda, but I don't need to see them cutting promos on each other for the next, what, seven or eight weeks? I'm cool. Yeah, no, she just has to stay on SmackDown for a second and then ramp it up late. Um, Men's Royal Rumble, which was entertaining. Jeff Jarrett started off, huge pop, to all the way to the ending of Seth Rollins. Uh, again, NXT people came in, both men's and women's. The NXT uh, athletes came in and showed out. At, at one point, you looked up to the ring, you're like, yo, look at who's in the ring. How do you have any bad matches? And that's the infuriating part. Because then you go, how the hell do you keep having bad matches? Because you look in the ring, you see Andrade, you see Gargano. You see Alistair Black, you see Pete Dunne, you see all, Samoa you see Brock, Joe, you see Joe, and you're like, you you think of all the possibilities for matches that you could have, and yet we keep running the same shit back every week. Yeah. But then you just look at the town, you'd be like, man, like WWE stacked. Like Royal Rumble shows you how stacked their roster is. Yep. And it's still so many people in NXT. It's not even so many people couldn't get on television. Cruz couldn't get on television. He was in the Rumble for a hot second. Like, they're still using Titus O'Neil. So, it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, yeah, that's the Royal Rumble, man. It, it was a great weekend. Great card. It will touch on kind of some of the stuff that comes after that uh, next week. Outside of that, it's been kind of quiet for boxing MMA. Conor McGregor, Khabib got their suspensions. Uh, slap on the wrist, pretty much. We'll be seeing them this summer or Conor this summer. Khabib's was not a slap on the wrist. 
Oh, that yeah. was an insane amount of money. Five hundred thousand, yes, but the man jumped out and incited a riot. I'm just, but that's it's still not. I'm just saying, it's not a slap on. You call it a slap on the wrist. It's not a slap on the wrist. A half a million dollars is absolutely not a slap on the wrist. All right, <laughs> it could it could have been much worse. I will say that he is uh, definitely lucky in in his regards, and then his man's got suspended for a year. Like, okay, so he's not gonna fight again until November. Like, all right, could be do whatever you want, man. Connor and Cowboy is the fight to make for me this summer. And then you let everything else play out. If Connor wants to run it back in November, then so be it. If not, if Tony Ferguson and Poirier fight for a number one contenders and they run it back, it's cool with me too. Um, John Jones gets cleared to fight, at least this one fight, in Vegas. So we'll be there in a couple weeks. And that's promised to be interesting in its own right. Um, I think, you know, Anthony Smith's had a good run. He's not John Jones caliber. I don't think John is taking this too seriously. So that's interesting. Like, does he get caught? But I, I still think John is head and shoulders above damn near whoever's left. If it's not Cormier, I'm, I'm giving him a, a runaway chance against everyone else. You know, it's the, the strange thing about UFC 235 is, like, I, I kind of get it, but I kind of don't. Um, John Jones versus Anthony Smith. John Jones is facing an opponent who will be his biggest underdog ever. Anthony Smith opened up as a plus 1,300, which is huge. Yep. Meaning he, he has basically no chance in hell. Meanwhile, your co-main event is Tyron Woodley, Kamaru Usman. And the fight that I'm picking Woodley, but I think is far more intriguing. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's stylistically. This is, the, I, I keep saying, like, this is the John Jones that Dana White said would never headline a pay-per-view again. <laughs> How quick does that change, though, right? It, it's just, I, I get it, the higher weight classes should main it. Like, they, I, I understand the logic in it in some ways, but if I'm Tyron, I'm like, yo, what the fuck? Like, for real? I'm yeah. getting upstaged by this guy again? I need some pay-per-view points here. Fucking yeah, me up. I hope he's getting something on the back end of this. Because Willie, he's just done everything right. And he's fighting Usman. Usman is a guy who has legit worked his way up. I mean, look, Kobe Covington is doing Kobe Covington things. And he's not in this title picture. But Woodley is, I need to look, but is he, like, the longest reigning champion right now? Oh, hands down. I don't even think it's close. Cormier just won that belt. John Jones nope. had to vacate his belt. The only other one is Max Holloway. Um, when did Max win that, though? Uh, Max, Max became the full champion two years ago. Yeah, I feel like the Robbie fight was before Max Holloway won the belt. You might be right. You might be right. But I'm, like, I'm just Connor had at the it. belt. Max didn't win it until Connor dropped it. Well, yeah. Well, because Max was interim champion, and then he wrote, he beat up Jose Aldo to become full yeah, champion. Yeah, no, I mean, Woodley was champion so, before then. He, uh, yeah, yeah, he, he got the knockout of Lawler way before then, I believe. Yeah, so so Demetrius Johnson, no longer champion. Yep. Um, Amanda Nunez won it at 200. Uh, Rose Namajunas just won the title. Uh, Shevchenko just won the yeah, title. So it's 25, Brandon Esnew. So Woodley's your longest reigning champion, and it's just I still and even yesterday, like the focus of that two thirty five press conference was really looking at Tyron Woodley and Kamaru Usman talk trash to each other, like that. That's really what the whole press. It wasn't really about John, even though there were a lot of questions thrown his way. But Anthony Smith was just he just looks like cannon fodder, a guy that's just going to go in there and lose. Yep, um, I, I would have much preferred, and I, again, the guy hasn't earned it, but 
I think the best matchups for John stylistically is Luke Rockhold to see if the chin holds up at a heavier weight um, and the Cormier, like, you know, attachment there. And then someone on Twitter the other day, they had a bold prediction for uh, 2020, which is crazy to think about. But they said in early 2020, uh, Adesanya would move up and knock out John Jones and be the first person to defeat John Jones. Too soon to even think that. That's so bananas, though. Like, to think about, I was like, yo, that shit's wild. Because obviously he can lose between here and then. But I was like, stylistically, if you need someone to beat John Jones, that would be it. But I don't then know. again, John can wrestle his ass off. That's the problem. So what if he just planted him all fight? Like, it, John is such a different beast. It's like if you put in a guy who is a better striker, he can just plant your ass for five rounds. Look, I don't even, like, I think it's, let's 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 see if Adesanya can get the middleweight title first. Like, I, yeah. I get it. We, we're strapping the rocket to his back. Like, somebody pointed this out the other day. Talk, talk about Adesanya, who's most just about everybody's biggest rising prospect of last year, right? Mm-hmm. But you know who had a better year in the octagon than Israel Adesanya? Tatiana Suarez. Suarez, Suarez is going to be champion of whatever division she wants, though. Right. I am so, I'm definitely a proponent of that. If you give her Rose tomorrow, she taps her in two rounds. Well, but the, but the thing is, you know, Adesanya, he's a better talker. Um, but people forget he won a split decision. Um you know, the other two, I mean, look, he's been fantastic. But the Rocket, like, we got to slow down a few things here. Like, he, he's going to beat Anderson Silva, which most people expect. But he could get clipped. You never know. But, dude, I need to see him against a Bobby Knuckles. Like, I need to see. Like, I, I am not ready to talk about Israel Adesanya and damn John Jones. That's insane. Let's, let's, like, baby steps. John Jones was the last fighter. and Not even Conor McGregor. John Jones was the last fighter that I saw early and was like, oh, nobody's beating him. Like, he just has too many tools. But a lot of people start looking at fighters and just immediately, like, oh, nobody's going to beat Dillashaw. Nobody's going to beat this guy. Nobody's going to beat Cody Garbrandt. Dog, they're going to lose. John Jones is a different beast entirely. Put, don't even try to put Adesanya in that class until he proves it. He just hasn't proven it yet. Give the man some time. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty much what went down to MMA. We got a card this weekend, which we'll just recap next week on that show. Um, in boxing... It's really just Javante Davis gets a new opponent because Mares is injured. We'll be able to talk more about that next week, and you're not going to the fight anymore. No, man. After Mares got hurt, you know, I looked at it and I was just like, I don't, I'm not going to go to this. It's, it, you know, Hugo Reeves is not the same. It's not the same guy. Like Mares and, and Davis was a fight I was really looking forward to going, going to. I was going to spend a few days with Javante Davis, spend a few days with Abner Mares, have these really great profile pieces on him. And now they're falling out. You know, Javante Davis can save you. Like, he's trying to say, like, oh, Ruiz is better than Mara. Stop. You're just trying to pump up the fight. No, he's not. Yeah, no. Nah. Like, cut it up. <laughs> like, Got to do whatever to get that money still. Like, we, we know. It's okay. You're, yeah. So, sell it however you got to sell it. But, no, nah, we know. Also this week, well, tomorrow, for those listening to the show, I mean, we got the Kovalev, um, uh, Alita Alvarez rematch. It's Kovalev's last stand. This is a... He's having a Chocolatito type of downfall. Yeah, Kovalev looked good early in the last fight, though. And that was a wrap. Andre Ward ruined him. Yeah, um, the chin never recovers. It's truly like his last stand. It's crazy because Andre Ward beat him with a body shot. But um, the, this rematch is going to be intriguing on a few levels to see if Alvarez is the real deal. A lot of people say he was the toughest fight. The light heavyweight people didn't believe him. Then he knocked out Kovalev. Teofimo Lopez is also on the card, who's a fantastic prospect. I was about to say, one of your favorite prospects. 
Uh, love him. Love him versus Javante one day is going to be spectacular. Uh, yeah, I mean, Tiafimo is one thirty-five. He's not going to be there long. I spent a, a day with him at the gym last. Javante ain't going to be at one thirty long. I don't know how he makes it now. Yeah, like, so I mean, at one forty one day, these guys are about to be. I mean, you look at it. You look at the prospects right now: Ryan Garcia, Devin Haney, Tiafimo Lopez. Like one forty is going to be one forty-seven. Yeah, like these guys, and they're all going to move up. So it's like people that always worry about the future of boxing, watch Teofimo tomorrow night. Oscar Valdez is also on the card. Watch mm. Oscar Valdez. That ESPN Plus card tomorrow night that Top Rank is putting on is a pretty damn good one. Because uh, Teofimo Lopez is facing Diego, Diego Magdaleno, who Magdaleno is a former world champion. Yeah. Somebody that Bob Aaron put a lot of stock into. And then, you know. Just fell short. Yeah, he fell short. So Lopez has a good test in front of him. So. It's a good card. Boxers in a good spot. Then we also got rumors that I can't really speak on about Jarrell Big Baby Miller and Anthony Joshua having a heavyweight fight at the Garden in June that Coppinger is reporting on. I, and he's also reporting Wilder Fury too, close to getting finalized, um, look, which we all thought would be in New York. It's too much shit in New York, though. Some got to well, give. I can only speak on I can speak on Wilder and Fury, and that seems pretty close to being a done, done deal. As far as, all I can say about Joshua and um, Miller right now, it's not confirmed. That's all I can say. Yeah, so next week, though, you should have way more information. We can dive into boxing, and uh, we actually have a ton of boxing to talk about because we'll recap to see if Kovalev's a wrap. We'll preview the Javante fight, and some of these rumors, hopefully, will get cleared up. So it's going to be a good week for boxing next week. Uh, that's our show for today, though. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure you guys check us out on Patreon as well, The Corner Podcast. Um, this past week had a really fun show where we tried out like a different concept. That was cool. This next week on Monday, we have a great, great interview. You guys might know him from Wrestle and Flow, Josiah, um, Josiah Williams on Twitter. And he is fantastic with flipping and remixing these WWE themes and NXT theme songs. Hell, New Japan sometimes too, right? Like he, he just flips everyone's music and puts out amazing content every week. He will be our guest on Patreon next Monday. So if you guys want to hear that full interview, make sure you guys sign up for Patreon uh, next week. He will be the guest. And you never know. We're always going to have guests on there. We're always going to have fun shows. So that's locked in for Monday's show. So that should be really dope. And until then, they'll follow us on social media at The Corner LSN on all platforms. Me at Kel Dansby. Him at Andreas Hale. Till next week, we're out. Peace.